Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. Really excited for today's guest. He was a multi-sport athlete at Westgate Collegiate, where he basically played everything in the Thunder Bay area. He made his debut for our city national team while he was still in high school and is a bronze medal from the Parapan Games. Please welcome to the show, Bryce Foster. Bryce, thanks for doing this, man. Thank you for having me. So looking at your bio, yeah, when I say multi-sport athlete, I don't say that lightly. It looked like you were playing absolutely everything, and Thunder Bay is such a great sports city. So just tell me and the listeners, what were you up to as a kid? It seemed like you were always doing something, right? Um, growing up, I guess my main focus was kind of being that student athlete. Um, and that athletic part was, was something very special to me. I definitely took pride in, in the multitude of sports I played, whether that was tennis, baseball, volleyball, and basketball, with a little bit of hockey mixed in. And I guess that kind of, I can account some of my success to, to the variations of sports that I, that I played for sure. Now, as you get older, it seems like coaches want more from everybody, right? So did you have to start to narrow it down to certain sports or what made you finally choose volleyball as going to be your main one? Most definitely. Um, you do have to kind of try and narrow things down because at the end of the day, there's only so much time. Um, so what I chose to do is I actually chose to start playing more basketball than anything else. And then once I got into my kind of varsity athletic career at, at high school, that's when I started to get into some volleyball in grade nine. Nice, nice. So in high school uh, in Ontario here, I think the seasons are pretty split up. Or did your basketball coach wanted you to do more? Like, did you go from volleyball to basketball to either like golf or soccer or tennis in the off season, or was it year round at your school? Um, it was more of the kind of the off season. You have you start with volleyball right at the start of the year, and then you transition your way into basketball. Club season starts for basketball and volleyball, and I was playing club basketball instead of club volleyball. Um, and then obviously transition your summer sports. Um, so that was kind of the, the way that things went. Now you had to make a, a tough decision there in your early teens to get uh, your foot amputated. So what went into that decision? Cause I understand there was, there was a lot of surgeries and this was a pretty, pretty long decision to make, right? So I was born uh, with this severely clubbed foot with the fused ankle joint, thus meaning that my a lot of mobility um, and movement was somewhat restricted. Um, I still played all the sports that I wanted to and kind of managed as I could. Uh, but it was coming to a point where, like you said, I had 12 surgeries over 12 years to try and reconstruct my leg and foot. So it was either do those surgeries again uh, and possibly have them not work uh, just like they had in the past and then have to have my leg amputated at a further date or have my leg amputated at that point. Uh, so after some much deliberation and kind of just trying to weigh the pros and cons and, and see if this would be a better chance for me at a better life, um, I chose to have it amputated at 13, um, which was kind of a great age because I wanted to get it done before that big transition into high school. Uh, and it was the best decision I ever made by far. Wow. So with you being such a, a multi-sport athlete, what was the rehab like? Because obviously you were playing basketball after your surgery, right? Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting to say the least. Um, the, it was probably about a three to four month rehab between the time that I had my leg amputated um, to when I had my first, first leg made. And then so it was about a March and then I was back playing varsity sports in grade nine uh, in that September. Uh, so not too, not too long. I mean, once you get your first leg, you kind of have to build that muscle strength up because you've been on crutches for, for two months ish. So, so yeah, it was a, it was an interesting period for sure. Definitely mentally for me, uh, because I've been playing sports all my life. And next thing you know, you're sitting down and you can't do anything uh, for that three, four month period. So just that readjustment period was was definitely interesting to say the least. Yeah. And just for my understanding and the listeners as well, what goes into that? Because obviously playing all these sports, uh, 
I think anyone would be tired, but did you feel like you had to do extra just to make sure that you were ready or like take care of like the little things just so you could play as many as you did? I think, I think like with the rehab for me, it was just mostly like, I just wanted to make sure that I got everything right. So that when the time came to, to start getting fit for plus BCs and, and, so, and so forth, um, I just wanted to, like you said, just kind of be ready and, and be as healthy as possible. Uh, so it was just kind of taking it easy and, and just making sure that all the, all the precautions were followed, just like any major injury, you want to make sure that you're, that you're kind of ready to go uh, when the time comes. So taking all the, all the physio precautions. Uh, and just all the exercises to try and help help build some of that muscle back in, in that left side for me. And then as your high school career progressed, uh, what was it about volleyball that kind of got you hooked, right? And like, is it safe to say Westgate is a volleyball school? Like looking at you guys doing well at cities and regionals and things like that, like what was there a certain coach or was it just a good group of guys? Like, was it a volleyball school? It was. So I started my, four, I did my first four years at uh, service in Churchill, um, which unfortunately is no longer with us. Um, and then in my fifth year, I went to Westgate to do a fifth year um, to take some more, some more classes and as well play some more sports. I wasn't really sure uh, when I went because of my, my youth. I just chose, well, I played all these sports already, so why not keep trying to kind of expand my horizons? Um, so I just tried out for the, grade, the junior varsity team in grade nine, ended up making it um, and really, really enjoyed it. So I kind of kept with that loop. And then... I met my now regional coach, um, Steve Janowski, in grade 10, um, and his, his love for volleyball began to wear off. Um, and, yeah, I just kind of fell, fell in love with the game. It was a really fun thing for me to do with my, with my peers at school. And then, obviously, I uh, had the opportunity to, to try out for the national team in, in 2019. Um, so that was, that was awesome. Yeah. How did that opportunity come together? Like, uh, obviously, Coach Jeff Smith is like active in the community, always looking for players. But what was kind of the first conversation to get you hooked with the squad? I was at a preseason tournament in my grade 13 year uh, for Westgate. And we were just playing. I was just playing here in the tournament. And the next Monday at school, I come back for for morning practice. And our uh, one of our coaches comes up to me. He's like, oh, have you um, our ex-coach at Lakehead? Talk to me about playing some parable golf three or getting you involved in it. Um, and I had never heard of it, uh, nor have I ever seen it at the time. Um, and I was kind of playing with my able bodied peers, so I was happy with that at the time. But I got Jeff's contact, um, and he kind of reached out and um, and just kind of described what the program's about and how, how awesome it is. Um, and at the time, I actually wasn't too interested because I still had basketball season coming up. Um, so I was like, okay, well, I'll sleep on it. There wasn't really anything major on the horizon. And then about, I think it was in January at some point, and he just shot me a text. And he was like, hey, how's it going? Uh, do you have time to chat? Um, and they had a qualifier uh, for the Parapanams in about two months. And he was like, would you be interested in coming, coming with us? And I was like, well, quite frankly, like, I don't know any of you guys. Like, I'm not really, I'm not acquainted with the sport yet, as I know, as everybody knows, sitting volleyball is so different. So then from that point on, that was, that was kind of near the tail end of my basketball season. I was like, you know what, why not give this a shot? Um, so I started training uh, on a consistent basis. And from the first time sitting down, I was like, what am I doing right now? Uh, to where I made it when I went to my first training camp in March of 2019. Um, I just fell in love with it. So fast paced, um, such, a, such an elusive sport where you have to always kind of be ready to just find a way to, to do the right thing. Um, so I made, I made my first training camp in March of 2019, 
Um, I was invited back to selection camp in May of 2019, where I made the team. And then I played my first exhibition series against Team USA uh, and later in May of 2019 in uh, Columbus, Ohio, uh, the, at US, the U.S. Nationals. And then when you look back, what were some things that you had to get used to? Like, I think you mentioned the speed there, but was there anything like tactical that was going on that you had to really pick up on? Because like you said, the game is laser fast and it seems like you're always out of position or reaching for balls, right? So what was the biggest learning curve for you? Biggest learning curve for me uh, was the scoring aspect. Uh, you can't get up over top of blocks or it's a little tougher to find angles because there's, for the most part, a big stationary block and at least one block in front of you. Um, and if you try and hit a T-line every single time, you're just going to continue to get slammed. Um, so you have to find those other shots in your toolbox, uh, whether it's a little roll shot or whether it's off high hands or whether it's trying to really hit that angle. Um, and it's lots of it's about body positioning and the way in which you set yourself up. Uh, but I scoring was the toughest part for me that kind of hadn't clicked. And, and now after two or three, this is my fourth year on the team, it's starting to kind of kind of come together, which is nice to see. Now, that first training camp, obviously the coaches are going to be there to help you out, but did any of the vets like uh, Austin or Doug or Derek or anybody kind of like take you aside and kind of show you what's up? Like, it seems like it's a pretty good group, but you must have been like the young buck on the team, right? I was for for the first, yeah, two years until we had a couple other guys come in. Um, but yeah, the the veteran core that we have on this team is, is incredible. Um, I mean, it just kind of, it truly shows when you have people like that, that want the program to succeed and want people to continually come in um, and are willing to, to give up their time. Um, the first year that I was on the team, I need, I obviously needed some extra reps. I wanted to be prepared for Lima. So I moved out to Edmonton for the summer um, and trained with one of our ex-players there, Matthews, um, trained with Austin and Derek moved out there with me. Um, so with three that three of those guys' knowledge, um, it was it was incredible how much progress I made in that one summer to to kind of get the team help try and help the team in some shape or form for for Lima. With your competitive sport background, and then I think they list you as six two. Like, is that an advantage that helped you with your learning curve? Is just like the reach and angles you could hit. It is. Um, I mean, like you can still be the tallest guy in the gym, and if you like, if you continue to hit T line, T line, T line, there's going to be a block there eventually. Um, so it's just kind of like heights only so much. You still have to have that IQ and the and the understanding that there's going to be certain scenes that you're going to want to, going to want to attack and, and so forth. Now, take me through the prep for Lima, because obviously a multi-sport games, you get a chance to represent Canada. Like, what were some of your, your thoughts or emotions leading to that one? It was, like, beyond amped up. Um, I mean, I've kind of, like we've just talked about, I had grown up playing with all my uh, able-bodied friends, um, and to have the opportunity to go to a... Like, an event of that magnitude with all um, people who face some sort of physical challenge. It was like so incredible um, just to first off, like the prep and, and being with the team, that was just such a, such a unique experience, all of our, all of our prep and, and just getting everything ready. So that we're, we're fine. To, we're fine to machine ready to go. Um, and then once you get there, it's just like you're, you're meeting people from all across North and South America. Um, it was, yeah, it was a breathtaking experience for sure. Now, is the talk metal right away, or were you kind of participating in those, those chats as like a true rookie? Like, what was the vibe as the team and kind of the goal heading in? As a team, we always achieved the goals. Um, and going into the Pan American Games, knowing that we had Brazil and Brazil Team USA and Colombia to, to go through, um, we knew that the goal was on, on the horizon. And I don't really think we truly believed in that until we took a set off Brazil 
in our second or third match of the tournament. And that's when things started, kind of started to click. Um, and we had some great, great games with Team USA in both the round robin and semifinal matches. We just couldn't, couldn't finish it out. Um, but obviously, even as, even as the rookie uh, with the veterans' experiences with the, the past Parent Pan American Games ex exhibition matches with, with some of these North and South American teams, um, they know exactly what they're looking for. Lots of the teams stay kind of the same. The rosters are very similar. Um, so they knew that we had the chance to to medal and possibly qualify for the Paralympics. Unfortunately, that wasn't that wasn't uh, that wasn't possible. Um, but at least we came back with a with a bronze, and we we definitely played our hearts out, which is which is what you can expect from us. Yeah, and then just to jump forward a little bit, like the the last chance qualifier in Germany, what was the mood around that? Because obviously COVID interferes with it. Obviously, you got to get the group together. Like it, it's a it's not a centralized program. It's a campus based program. Like. What was the feeling when that event was finally going to happen? You guys got a chance to compete for an Olympic berth there. It was like, there's lots of excitement. I mean, obviously with everything with Crystal Cove, there's lots of gray area. Um, I mean, we had had some camps and then with COVID kind of ramping up and, and getting better and getting worse, we'd, we'd have been able to have camps, but not on a consistent basis. Um, we didn't have a full roster, which was kind of also a little weary, um, but all in all, everybody was really excited. So this is my first time to go to Europe and play with the team. Um, the European style of volleyball can be different at times. Uh, so it was really exci exciting for me to, to kind of have that new experience. And I think everybody just was knew that we had the chance to, to qualify. Um, so we went there and, and battled as best as we could. And I mean, it was one of those things that if you do watch your games, from game one to game six, the amount of progress we make because we hadn't played a game since Lima, or well, we played some exhibition games since, but the amount of progress that we made as a team, just kind of coming together and finding ways to to just beat adversity and, and take on adversity was was incredible. So it was definitely, uh, even though we didn't get the results that we wanted, uh, there were definitely some some positives to take from the situation. Yeah, for sure. Like, how important is it to keep in mind there? Because obviously, you're a competitive guy, and like the the outcome is the result you're striving for. But uh, how important is it to keep it realistic? Where you're playing against other countries who had maybe lesser COVID rules, or they've been at the gym longer, or they had their full roster. Like, uh, how do you balance that versus like keeping expectations realistic without being like giving yourself an off ramp, saying, "Oh, they should win because they have this." It's so tough at the end of the day because, like you said, everybody really wants to win. That's their that's our main goal as a collective unit um it's just one of those things that you kind of have to you have to find a way to like that's been one of my models since since my amputations you kind of have to flip things and find some sort of positivity within it um and you always have to find that positive outlook or to that's just going to be the best way to self set yourself up for continued success in the future now, what can you tell us about the direction the program is going? Because you guys had a February training camp in the Calgary area, and I understand, like, the Dinos Club, they have sitting lines on their court, which I think is, like, an amazing step for a sport. Uh, I think you guys got to play a couple college teams, like Dallas Sunius and Sate got together. Like, it just seems like the community is really rallying around the program, whether it's the men's or women's team. Like, a lot of cool stuff is happening for sitting. So what's it like to be a part of a program that seems to be on the rise here? It's amazing. The amount of support that we're getting from the community right now is incredible. Um, so many people are trying to get involved and trying to learn about what sitting volleyball is because truly it is an amazing sport um, with some amazing with some very amazing people within it. Uh, it's just going to be, uh, I think it's going to be kind of upwards and onwards from here. Um, it's only going to get bigger and better within Canada, and the more support and the more um, the more awareness we can create, 
uh, for how great of a sport it is, the better the better we're going to be off for sure. Now, just take me and the listeners through what it's like being part of a camp space program because you got athletes all over the country. Uh, it is getting support whether there's cool stuff happening in Calgary or Toronto's got like Leah coaching and a few other people here. But for you being a Thunder Bay guy, are, do you just know that everybody's doing the same amount of work as you and there's like a certain amount of trust there? Or when you show up to training camp, like there's expectations, like just take me through what it's like being part of a team, but you're all responsible to do your own work kind of in your own lane, right? Yeah. So we're, we communicate on a weekly basis as a team. Um, every week you're required to kind of check in. Um, and like we have all of our uh, training programs through an online program that we fill it out and then our trainer gets notifications whether we did the workout or not. Um, and then just with our onboard sessions, we're just making notes um, and kind of sending those in every Sunday about how many hours we were on court, what we did, um, and, and so forth and so on. Uh, so we have those weekly check-ins. And then usually, depending on kind of what's going on, we have World Championships in November. Um, so starting August the 17th, uh, I'll be traveling on Wednesday, flying to Calgary, and then we train Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, one practice Sunday morning, and then I fly home Sunday night. Um, so we'll be doing that on a monthly basis. We usually do that two to three months before before major competitions, um, which is kind of just the way that our decentralized program works. Nice. And when you say hours on court, does that mean you have a support group at home that you're able to train with, like whether it's with a school team or a club team? So I have um, one of my old high school coaches, Steve Schnosky, um, who's been within the volleyball programs in Thunder Bay for over 20 years now. Um, he is my regional coach, so we just do lots of one-on-one stuff, focusing on specific skills. Um, and that just kind of helps me fine tune. I, we don't have, I, at times I try to get some, some standing players to come and play sitting. Um, it's tough at times, especially in the summertime, but, um, I do my best with my, with my individual skills just to fine tune those. So when I get in a, in a team setting, I'm ready to go. Nice. And coming out of these training camps, just to dive into a little bit of technical tactical, like, the, the videos you guys post are amazing. It just seems like the game is getting wicked fast. The serves, even though you can block a serve, it looks like the serves are getting super aggressive. Like, what do you see as like trends or something that you're trying to build into your game just to be more of a world-class player? Um, for me, I want to try and be a jack of all trades. I want to try and have uh, multi-dimensions into my game. I have kind of, because I'm not one of the bigger players in the world, um, but I'm not the smallest, I kind of want to be be just in between within everything, uh, be a solid defensive player. Um, right now I'm actually setting in a couple of rotations. Um, so I need to kind of fine tune that IQ into, into my game, but also becoming a, becoming just a true attacker. Um, I know I'm not going to be able to kind of rip balls 24 seven, like the guy like Doug can, um, but I still want to be able to score effectively and, and put the defense in positions that that's not going to, not going to benefit them in, in any way. And where does your mind go when you are setting? Because I think it, it's fascinating, like, the, the blockers are stable and they're set, but you can't really run like an overload against them, right? So it's a lot of spread. It's a lot of speed. It's a lot of looking for gaps. So just without spilling too much, the coach Smith isn't going to get mad at us. What are some tactics you guys look for? It's always going to be aware. Uh, you constantly have to be looking at matchups um, and understanding who you have and what their, like, what their weaknesses and strengths are. Um, I mean, as it, like, as amputees, we definitely do have spots where we, move better to and where we don't move better to. So you kind of have to understand that. Um trying just trying to set your, your players up for success. Um so there's lots of kind of pregame that goes into it. Um uh, understanding the other team's rotations and, and then understanding who you're working with with your starting six. Um and kind of just trying to find a find a recipe for success. Nice. And with us being neighbors to the US, how helpful is it to have exhibition series with them? Because it seems like they're all, all-
also a top team, but it seems like every time we have an exhibition game, it's either red versus white, or we get an opportunity to play the States. Like, is it, is it nice to have kind of a bit of a friendly rivalry where you can count on playing those guys once a year? Oh, for sure. Um, and I mean, we, this is a relationship that's kind of been going on for, for quite some time now. And quite frankly, I mean, they're a very similar style team to us. Um, we kind of complement each other very nicely. At times, we may not want to play them because we get sick of them because we play them <laughs> so often. Um, but at the end of the day, they're a great group of guys. Um, and they and they definitely force us to, to battle and, and bring the best out of us. So any competition is good competition, right? Sweet. So for any of our listeners who are perking up and want to look, watch more of sitting, like when you say style, what is like a difference between like a North American style and maybe what you commented earlier about the Europeans play a little bit of a different style? Yeah, the Europeans are, um, I think that kind of the North Americans we play, you're finding, you're seeing it change with the U.S. a little bit now, uh, but it's more of a risk reward where we kind of like to go after a couple more serves and put some pace, but you'll see when we played Croatia um, in, uh, in Germany, they didn't put any pace in the ball. They would just plop a ball into the other side um, and just rely on their defense to, to keep that ball up. Um, so it's they, there's a little bit, little little slight differences and stuff like that. Um, but for the most part, it, it is very similar in, in some sense. That's that's fascinating. I imagine theirs is backed by a little bit of analytics, but I'm sure a little bit of influence from soccer, where like ball control is like the game, and I think Europeans understand that really well. So. Is that something that uh, Coach Smith and the rest of the coaching staff are kind of just looking at different efficiencies? And yeah, we want to stay to our identity and be aggressive, but there's also times to hit a smart continue or something like that. For sure. And I mean, with the amount of stats that are out there now, um, the amount of data and analytics, it's incredible. Uh, you just have, kind of have to find which path you want to go with. Um, and I think that what we have right now is, is really nice. We have kind of a hybrid where we do have some guys like myself who have the ability to go after that serve. Um, and it's all about really reading seams. Like you will find times where you're going to have three big blockers and you're like, I don't have any room to, to kind of go after it here. Um, but that being said, there will be times where you can kind of take some reps and that's where you kind of take that risk reward into, into play. If we do have that seam, I mean, we'd be kind of crazy not to, not to take a rip. Now, anyone who follows you on Instagram, like you're rocking Kyrie's, you got the Paul George's, you got MJ like uh, airbrushed on your leg there. Like, uh, how important is it for you still to stay like genuine to your personality and have a little bit of flair? Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I just, that's something that I, the style aspect of things is something that I, that I enjoy and I have enjoyed through my, through my sporting career. Um, I mean, we do have, like we wear, we wear Mizuno's and we kind of have our flair through, through Mizuno and, um, some of the some of the garb that we get on court, which is which is awesome, um, but yeah, my I love I love my off court shoes for sure. Well, man, this has been awesome. Thanks for coming on. We'll have to check in a little bit closer to Worlds and see how the team's coming together, or maybe after your training camp. But thanks for sharing all that you did. But one thing we've built into the show is just to try a, a funny or unique story that you wouldn't have experienced without volleyball. So I was hoping you could give us one more story before we let you go. The one story that kind of comes to mind first um, is when. This is my first international event. It's the Parapan American Games in Lima, Peru in 2019. Um, and we'd gotten long travel day. We left Toronto about three, with three o'clock in the afternoon, get into Lima at two. Um, by the time we get through customs and all that fun stuff, get back to the athletes' village. Uh, we have like a surf pass in the morning just to kind of get some blood flow and get, get used to the, the altitude. Um, our bus wasn't ready for us yet, so we got into some cars. And luckily, I was I was in a car with Derek and Doug, two of the bigger guys on the team. But we were sitting, just driving around the city. We had no idea where we were going since our first day. Um, 
an hour and a half goes by and then two hours goes by and the next thing you know three and a half hours goes by we're like where are we right now um so we just kind of look around and look on google maps and we're like we're in the middle of like pretty much nowhere and we figured out that our team our teammates were behind us and it was just kind of a gong show um so by the time by the time we actually got back it was practice was over everything was canned but it was just kind of a crazy first day especially for me with an international event I was like what's going on right now um so it, all in all it, it kind of worked out but it was a it was a very interesting first experience for me yeah like is there even enough time to cover that because I'm sure the coaches are talking about okay it's a multi-sport games we're preparing for this we're representing Canada like maybe the altitude comes into play nobody probably planned that you guys were going to get lost on the first day no no most definitely not and it was kind of crazy because um the second day that we went there, we were kind of thinking about like whatever we get on the bus, and then we had we have full police escorts. And when we were driving through the city, there's kind of nothing, nothing going. Except in Lima, Peru, I mean, anything can really happen in South American countries, right? Um, so it was just kind of looking after the fact. It's like thank God nothing happened to us. It was just kind of a kind of an amazing incident. <laughs> and again, following you on Instagram, how sweet was that was that stadium? It seemed like such a special setup for those games. It was incredible, like the. The, the the opening ceremonies um, were in the Stadium National, which is where the uh, Peruvian national team plays soccer. Um, so that's that like seventy five thousand people. Lucky enough, my parents were two of those seventy five thousand people that were that were sitting in there, which was awesome. Um, like just being kind of engulfed in like how the country bought into it. Like there wasn't a seat empty. Uh, and even with regards to the volleyball stadium, like the volleyball stadium was really cool. Um, so, so cool that it actually had, it was open concept. So there was a, like, there was a roof over top of us, but there was wind coming through. And what happens is that's Peru's uh, winter. So it's still only 15 degrees, but it was rather chilly um, in the, in the arena because it was, yeah, it was their, it was their off season. Man, what an experience. So cool. So Thanks again for sharing all you did. Best of luck with everything you got going on moving forward and, and looking forward to world champs and supporting you guys. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.